Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Verses. Continuing with the special release of our series, Gen Talk, today's episode, Toxic Work Environment, will be discussed by Miss Judy, Miss Janice, Miss Kim, and Mr. Quad. If you would like to catch the visual version of this episode, please head over to our YouTube channel, Millennial Versus Podcast. We hope you all enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Janice F. Kearney. And I'm Judy Allen. Welcome to Millennial Versus Presents Gen Talk. I have worked in two or three different situations. Like my last boss, you know, when they do the evaluations, yearly evaluations, I always wanted to learn. It was just me and her in the office. And one of my goals was to learn her job. But she didn't want me to learn her job. Every year it was the same thing. She she was scared that I was going to take her job. And I told her, I said, I don't want your job. I do not want your job. And I, I felt like it kind of held me back. You know, I, like I said, I didn't want her job. And then another one was a situation where I did want to move up in the company. And my immediate boss held me back because I was more valuable to him in the office. Because I was supervisor of the office staff. I had eight women that worked underneath my supervision, and it ran like clockwork. But he was awful. He was awful. And, and he would not sign any papers for me to go anywhere. I felt like, well, I ended up with ulcers, a spastic colon, and in the hospital because I kept this internalized. I was in a situation where I was raising children by myself, and I was making good money, and I just couldn't go to another job and make the money I did. I was kind of stuck there. There was a case in Washington, D.C. of Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. And I don't know if you remember that situation or not, but after that, they passed a federal law about harassment in the workplace. And I decided right then and there, I didn't tell him, but I thought the very next time that you come out here and criticize me in front of the people that I supervise, I'm going to the HR and report you. It was almost like he could read my mind. It was seven months before he ever did anything. Well, I marched up there, got that straightened out. After that, he was okay. He had a, he despised women. But after that, I ended up putting 30 years in the company. I'd have to say that a toxic work environment, in my definition, is an environment where you feel that you're, as was mentioned, it, you feel as though you're not able to thrive from day to day. You go in and you wonder, you know, if you even fit. And, and I say that because from experience, early childhood development is my thing. And I was in a situation where our management clearly had favor. And because she had favor with one of the employees, that particular employee stirred up a lot of strife within my classroom and with me. And she began to murmur a lot complain a lot and um, told a lot of mistruth. 
um, and that caused a lot of friction and a lot of animosity. And uh, from day to day, it was just stress going in every day, you know. So I'd have to say, for me personally, it started with management and, you know, they are in control of, they set the tone. And the tone was set automatically that the employee was correct and I was wrong. And so because she favored that employee and that employee was able to come into the classroom, though I was the supervisor of the classroom, she was able to make decisions over me. When I would address her, I'd go and address the management after addressing her because there's always a there's always a step by step that you have to follow. And I did go and follow those steps and I'd go to the manager and she would you know, deter me back or direct me back to the actual worker who was causing the, the problem. So that became a very toxic situation. She began to spread information to the other workers and therefore I'm out with the other children and with the other workers and you could feel the tension on a day-to-day basis because of the information she would spread about me. Management really has to be the first go-to when, when those things happen and they set the tone. Good example. For me, it's very much the same in terms of management's involvement, but my has a little bit of a spin in that management should support the whole person in an environment, uh, whether it be religious beliefs and accommodations or the need for members to be able to have dietary support if they breastfeed their child mm-hmm. uh, after birth. There are things that sometimes uh, should be accommodating and sometimes they're known by HR when a person joins a job position and sometimes they're not. There's there's not a way to capture every situation, ask every question and get answers about what is the culture, what is the support mechanism, how is management in these types of situations until you've actually gone through them. Unfortunately, going through them sometimes can be a problem. A toxic environment could very well be a person needing to breastfeed their child or pump at certain times, but there be some backbiting or strife, mm-hmm. or the person is given extra work on top of their normal workload mm-hmm. because you had to take a couple of extra breaks that somebody else didn't take throughout the day. So they make you uncomfortable about uh, leaving the desk or the position to go and take care of something that should be taken care of naturally, you believe that in the workplace. Just because I work for a company that mean that I'm a slave to the company, there should be some personal accommodations, some support for me as a person who's giving myself talents, skills, time, and other resources to the better good of an organization in order to help it to thrive. So toxic environment can very well be uh, along those lines. For me personally, uh, I had that situation. Young person in the workplace, very sharp, professional, very skilled and talented at what I did. But there was a supervisor who, as soon as I um, left to go to church, that was my thing. I said, I'll work any day of the week. 
I'll work hard. I'll work even longer hours than necessary. Just give me time on a Sunday to go to worship service. That was important to me. Well, when I get back, we find that the supervisor had been talking about me while I was away and and some other things. And so uh, it created an environment where I had to actually go and, and talk to that member. When I addressed the member, it was it wasn't necessarily pretty, but it was professional. And they took heed and uh, and changes were made. The accommodations were given. I think they even take it to, to the next level where it wasn't just time off. It was actually the whole day off. So so they accommodated for me. But it never should have gotten to that point, giving me an hour to go and, and do that tack it on the back end, maybe come in early. I would have been able to do anything, but don't talk about me while I'm away. That was just kind of a toxic situation. As you were talking, I was thinking back, and I've only had male supervisors. I've never had a female supervisor. And the thing that I've noticed is that most males, and this is during the 80s and 90s, there were expectations of women only going to a certain position and no longer were they expected to be promoted. We were not that. valued. And I always uh, considered that as a negative for women, and things would have been different if I'd had a female uh, supervisor who would understand that women have as much ability and intellect, and they should be able to be promoted the same as men. So I considered that as toxic, yes. because that is keeping you in a certain place. You can't move up beyond that. And the other thing I'm remembering is that I did experience uh, sexual harassment as, you know, years ago when I worked for a male. And he was a great manager until it got to the point where it became sexual harassment. We had no, re we had no recourse back then. Right. Where they do today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely right. You know, you had to handle it yourself. And even when you went to HR, there wasn't much that happened. Huh. So I want to kind of talk about the dedication when it comes to the millennials versus the baby boomers, speaking about how dedicated they are to working a job, because I hear the talk that they're not as dedicated as those of old were. So is it more so that they're not dedicated or is it that they're dedicated, just as dedicated, but they know their worth and therefore... They know their skill set and they're not willing to settle um, as maybe some of us in our age or some of the older ones, older workers, people in our family would say, you know, we worked hard. Do you work harder? Do they work harder or do they work smarter? Very good point. In terms of toxicity in, in the workplace and how we define it and, and to get to your point and your question, I think that's a valid point that COVID is bringing to a lot of people like myself who employ people, if you will, and making that determination that they're not as dedicated. That's a bold, big question that spreads an umbrella over a lot of different reasons why people uh, may seem or not seem dedicated. Part of it is, is that the baby boomers, we didn't have access to as much information. And so if you knew a place that had a job and you had a skill and you knew maybe the person that ran that shop, then you find your place there. 
you didn't know about five other positions in the community or in the city that you can get to because you didn't have access to information. And so you took the first available and you worked hard because you couldn't lose that job because, again, you didn't have the information about the other four jobs that could have been available to you. But today you can Google positions and you say, if I'm working this job, I know that there are five other people that are hiring right down the street that I can go to in the event that this one doesn't work out. So I think it's a matter of information. And I totally believe that people are just as dedicated today uh, as they were then. It's just a matter of perspective. Work is important, but my inner soul and spirit and feeling good about what I do is also important. And that's where I've always been. I mean, I guess I was before my time because my son, who is in his 40s now, he's like that. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this job and I'm going to give them 150%. But if this job doesn't satisfy me and I feel good about getting up in the morning and going to this job, then I'm going to look for another job. So he has a few more years he can do that. I've always done that. I've done that. I've gone into jobs and said, I'm going to stay as long as I can, as long as it's satisfying me, as long as I'm doing a job that I feel like I'm getting something out of and they are getting something out of. But if there's that reciprocity, I'm leaving. And I've done that. I've done that. And I know a lot of my friends don't believe in that. And they never believed in that. They'll go to a job and stay in that job forever. And that's good. That's security. People need security. But I guess I was just not smart enough to to believe more in security than I did in in satisfying my soul and, and feeling good about what I'm doing. I stayed in a job for 30 years. Not one day did I look forward to going to work. Mm-hmm. The only thing that made it worthwhile, no, well, not worthwhile, but to where I could tolerate it, was the office staff. Mm-hmm. I love the people in the office. Mm-hmm. And we would go to work sometimes at 5 in the morning and not get off till 1 the next morning. Mm-hmm. But, but we were close. Mm-hmm. We were close. And it was good, but I didn't like the hours. I had kids that I was raising single mom and you know you just do the best you can Mm -hmm. it was security Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and then I found security is in your mind Mm -hmm. it's not in your house it's not in your car it's not in your job security is an inner thing Mm -hmm. in your own mind Mm -hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't put up with it today Mm -hmm. and I admire the kids today or the young people today that can do that yes but when you have three little kids depending on you to bring in the food, clothing, mm-hmm. shelter, mm-hmm. You, you do what you have to do. That's exactly and so, yes, I put up with mm-hmm. it. And that was because of that boss. How did you guys cope with being in a negative or a toxic work environment? Whether it's back then, whether it's now, we're tired or whatever. What was your way of coping? I think especially, you know, back before when there weren't so many rights not only for everyone, but for people of color and for women in the workplace. How did you guys specifically cope with that? I think I coped. And again, I think I said earlier that I did not stay in any job forever. But I coped for a time by just keeping in mind why I was there and why it was important for me to stay there. I had a son 
and I needed to take care of him. So that was important, and I didn't need to be out of a job. But what I would always start doing if I decided this is not a place that I want to be because it's not healthy for me, I'm not happy getting up, going to work every day, I would immediately begin to look for another job, find another place to work, a place that I thought would be healthier for me. And that usually worked. I usually found another job within months and would go to the next job. And I've had some really good jobs. I've had some really good experiences, non-toxic experiences. But at the same time, if that feeling of self-fulfillment is not there, I'm not going to stay in a job forever. I'm going to go to another job. I'm not going to be unemployed because I don't, I can't afford you know, because of my son, but definitely I would look for another job. So in that way, I'm just like the new generation. I'm not going to stay at a job that I'm not happy with or is not fulfilling me. Well, I've done the same thing. I mean, I've quit jobs because they were unhealthy or the boss got too handsy, hands on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to do it. However, I never quit one job till I had another one. I just I couldn't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And I never started another job with lower pay. Mm-hmm. Now, when I started the one that I was at for 30 years, he wanted to start me at a lower pay than what I was making, and I explained that to him. He paid me $2 more than what I was making. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that became toxic. About the first six years, it was wonderful. I mean, I love this guy this boss Mm -hmm. and then something happened and he didn't like me anymore (laughs) well I you know I wasn't going to be rude to people and he expected me to be rude to somebody I can't do it I can't do it I won't do it and so I got on the bad side of him and then I mean he would make comments about you know well I won't go into that but bad comments, using ugly words toward me. Mm -hmm. And it was toxic. And the way I handled that, after after that situation, I'd make some joke about it, you know, after I got in front of my people, the people I was supposed to supervise, I'd make some joke of it. And that's the way I did until that situation in Washington. And after that, I had no problem. However, I did transfer out of that department. Mm because another company bought the company I was working for, and I became another person in that other department. It was just me and my boss. And I didn't mind that quite so much the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that other was totally toxic. I, you know, it, it was really bad. He just didn't know how, and then he died. So anyway, karma has a way of working things out. <laughs> So what were some of the jobs that were expected or some of the jobs that women were expected to stay away from? Well, not necessarily stay away from, uh, but what I was going to say, most of of the women, when I was growing up, we got out of high school and we didn't further our education. We became a housewife and mother. That's kind of what I wanted to do because I love kids. But... You know, through divorce, you're thrown into doing. But about the only job available for women back then was a secretary or a nurse. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I didn't want to be a nurse, maybe a doctor, but I had no desire to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I got married. <laughs> and, uh, well, that, that's, that's about the only two jobs that, that women were right expected to do. Yeah, and growing up in southeast Arkansas, I remember that there were teachers. I mean, that was oh, a yeah, huge teachers. job for, especially in the African-American community. Uh, that was someone you respected a whole lot. But other than that, it was nurse or secretary and working for someone in their home. And that was what, you know, that was about the breadth of what women could do back mm -hmm. then. But um, my parents, thank goodness, always told us that we could do more and we could aspire to be more than what you see in front of you. What we saw was a teacher or a nurse or a secretary or someone working in someone's house. Mm -hmm. So we definitely wanted to do more and believe that we could do more. And that's why I, I hate it when I hear um, a man telling a woman what she should be able to do or t how to restrict herself. What? <laughs> I just think there's so much that women can do beyond what people expect of them. Well, and then uh, you ask a woman to do something, she'll say, well, let me ask my husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, consult your husband, right. yes. But to ask your husband if you can, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a throwback. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a real throwback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did. I had to ask my husband. Right. Can I go to the movie? Can I go down and see mom? Can I do the? I said, never again. Right. Never again will I have to ask a man or anybody, can I do something? Mm -hmm. May I do something? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it hadn't happened since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just grateful with this new... Uh, generation that they are deciding what they want to do yes they are deciding I can do this my body is built where I can do things that my mother may not have felt comfortable doing and uh, that's the freedom I think that younger people have that some of us did not have before Janice I it, it never ceases to amaze me when I talk to you how your parents had that knowledge. Now, there was 10 of you kids, right? There were 19 of us. Not well, okay. <laughs> but how, how they had the knowledge back then to instill all this in you. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I've always said that it was a God-given wisdom. Had they, to be. They were amazing as far as their wisdom and as far as the fact that they could look beyond what was expected of them and expected of us. Uh, from our community and from the larger community. And they just, they gave us that expectation too. We believed that we could be whatever we put our minds at. That's wonderful. Know? Yeah. That's wonderful. Back in my day, now I worked in a factory, and we were only, we were not allowed to work over nine hours a night as far as overtime, mm -hmm. just nine. Mm -hmm. uh, however, this last place I worked, like I said, I've gone in at 5 in the morning and didn't get off to 1 the next morning. You know, so they could work mm -hmm. here. Uh, when I first started, we worked 12 hours a day, 5 days a week, uh, 10 hours on Saturday and 8 on Sunday. Now, we kept wow. that up for about 3 or 4 months. You know, earlier working time, that wouldn't have been allowed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, playing basketball on the basketball team, women played a half court. 
because of our body structure and delicacy and everything. Only dribble the ball three times before we had to pass it to someone else. There was just a whole lot of rules back then for women. Mm -hmm. Now I admire your generation. Women can do anything. We set the pace. Mm -hmm. Y'all carried it. Mm -hmm. Amen.